the more I am able to control these emotions, they are going to just be open and they won't be so scary. Good morning, free thought rev illusion. Y'all just got an intro from the lovely Miss Marley Mar. But you know, you can we can go through all that. She, you we can chip, go chop. through a list of all my names. There's yes. a oh, handful. Oh, okay, go ahead, Miss Man. We ready? I'm Stanley. Stanley. Yep. Wow. I got Becca on the inside. She's oh. she comes and saves me when I. Oh, actually, for this topic, when things get scary and I need someone to defend me. Hold on. Hold on. Time out. Time <laughs> I know. Out. You and I Time both out. said. Time out. What? Time out. I believe you are being serious. So first I want to yes. apologize because I wasn't actually trying to mock if you were being serious. So that's number one. Number two, can I ask you to pause it and actually bring this back up at a point later in this? Because one, I, I honestly don't want to forget. Two, it's a revelation I think is going to be very cool. Three, my wife seems to think I put stuff on pause and don't go back to it later. <laughs> but folks don't remember to bring it back up. So we fe- we be forgetting yeah, our member berries. Julie, let me click the pen. Yeah, click that right in there. Write we be forgetting down. our member berries. We forgot to do the bowl. We forgot to like the damn incense. We need member berries. Becca. Who is she? Sorry for the slam. Who is she? And I didn't, I, it's not the same if you pause and go back to something you wanted to say. It's when I ask you a question you weren't prepared for and don't know the answer to. No, That's what I was making fun I'm of I'm saying you. it wasn't that I wasn't prepared. It was that I wanted the content, the structure to kind of start the definition, the answer for that. And then us to go back and be able to just say, well, look, here we have it. I wanted to be able to summarize on it and answer it, not just have to answer it and then go through the same stuff. Then they won't have to listen to the whole podcast. But there's been a question you never answered. Um, yes. Once or twice. Yes. And see, because what had happened was, but then, so, and we're going to come back to the point that she just made. Go ahead, babe. Let's leave this and get going. Huh? Yes. Mrs. Set. Wait, did you do the definition? I haven't done anything. Oh, I'm sorry. <coughs> let's, let's rewind, restart, take a deep breath, everyone, because this is definitely a very touchy subject. Oh yeah, we wanted to say that too. This is a serious podcast episode, and if you're not interested in abuse or you know if you don't want to hear something serious right now, then maybe skip this one. No, just put it on the back burner for a bit until you want to go ahead and dive in because this isn't just about the abuse. This is going to actually touch on ways that will help regular folks help see, identify, and then maybe even help people get out and 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 find real ways to help and and find real stuff for your own selves to help. In, in situations that you just regularly have. But yes, that's also why we have the lovely ladies here because I am ready to roll and they got to make sure that we slow down and take that breath. So, let's get to the, the, the definition first. Abuse is a pattern of behavior used by a person or a group to gain and maintain control over another. Miriam Webster, love them cats. There we go. Definitions. Now we're going to fast forward and get to the step, next step. Yeah, are you going to share personal things? So, I am a professional, well, retired professional mixed martial artist. I'm a retired semi professional football player. I have been just one of the most out physical 
gentleman that you might meet. I am the definition of a man's man. I am a survivor of child abuse and domestic violence. I will be sharing some personal stuff, but since this isn't about me, it's really going to be about stuff that I've seen because most of my life I've worked in social services. Crisis facilities, rehab facilities, uh, public group homes, non-public schools. So I, I've seen my share of folks who have gone through things similar to what I did. Um, you, ma'am? I, over the years, have become more comfortable sharing my experience because I've learned that it wasn't just me. It's, for all I know, my sisters, my cousins, aunts, uncles. My nephews. Mm -hmm. You never know who it could be. So as hard as it is, sharing the story is helpful. I'm also here because of the stories that I have heard, the people who have shared with me, who trusted me, confided in me, and weren't able to tell their stories. And I'm not here to tell their stories, but I'm just here to express how they felt. Um, also, what they were able to do to get through this, how they are now still coping with this. Um, we're going to give you real stuff today. Mm -hmm. We're going to give you real stuff today. And this is what I want to point out before we get started. No, I'm sorry. I want to point this out before we get started. Okay. I was going to say how about me. You don't care what my experience was? I do. And I want you to share it before I get into that. I'm sorry. I got ahead of myself again. So I was abused, but I only consider it one time. And... I don't consider it as severe of an abuse as what could have happened or what happens to a lot of other people. But even with that one time, I do feel like it affects me emotionally and that that was the point that I lost my voice and um, became a victim. So I guess I'm coming from that perspective of I can understand abuse, but I don't consider it is that bad, but it still has lasting effects on me. And the sad part to that sentence is, I don't consider it that bad, but it's still something that happened. And that's what a lot of people try to do is justify these when one time shouldn't even be a time. Thank you. I, I feel like I just... <laughs> Like, heals a little when you said that. There's going to be healing today. <laughs> There's going to be healings. So, many times, the first question proposed is, why didn't you report? Instead, I would like to venture into the realm of why we finally felt safe reporting. For those of us that may have or may haven't. Um... Why did you? Oh, okay. So it took me until the second time, like I said, I'll only consider it one time, but the second, and, and you know, it goes to what you said to me. I guess I'm in denial. Um, that the second time I, he did something and I didn't want it to ever happen again. And 
I felt really horrible about it. So I told my mom, but then when they asked me if that was the first time it ever happened or if anything else happened, I lied and I never told anyone until I was an adult of actually the first time when something happened worse than that. So it wasn't you felt safe enough to tell or it was, I mean, how did that work out where that's, that made you safe, feel safe enough to tell? When I was a kid and I told about the second time? Yes. Because oh. why didn't you tell the first? So you see what I'm saying? At some point, well, I you... just said that because I didn't want it to happen again. So like was... when at once the second time, I'm like, that's enough. So I, I just wanted to clarify. So it was less you felt safe enough to tell, and more you just okay. I'm not letting that happen to you. Yes. Okay. How about you, Marley Mar? As it's funny because oh, it's <clears throat> not funny again. Here goes me trying to justify it. emotions. Um, as many people as have I as I have told, I still haven't kind of told the right people. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure if my dad knew, he would definitely take action in wanting to protect me. Something that he couldn't do back then when it happened. If I don't know, I guess if I go to the cops. What can they do now? Because what's that when, like, too much time has happened and they can't really... Something expired. Yeah, yeah, you know that stuff. So I'm like... Mm. So you're, it, you're, you're still kind of working on feeling safe enough to tell. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I know that people, even the state that I'm at right now, people res- resonate with that. And they're like, well, I've told some people, but I still haven't told other people. Yeah. Um, so, well, why, why haven't you... Wait, 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 wait. Right now, we're on this. Hold on. We'll we'll get back to that. We will. That's part of this. But but because that's always the first thing people say, I want want us to not hit that first. The reason I felt safe telling in 2017 in my apartment complex, uh, one of my neighbors was beating his partner so badly that somebody decided to finally call it into the police and when they called it in they reported to the police that it sounded like gunshots and that was him bouncing her off of the garage door or slamming it on her head i saved her life i ran out from my apartment wearing nothing but some pajama bottoms And I used all of the de-escalation stuff that I learned throughout the many years of working in social services and was able to get him to move away from her without raising a finger. Uh, My Two of my other neighbors came and grabbed the woman. I kept him there until the police came. And when I saw how vehemently those officers worked, at making sure that that woman would never have to deal with any of that again, I finally got the idea that, you know, maybe I can actually tell somebody and get out of my situation. That was the first time that I felt safe enough to tell. And I just learned something new about you. <laughs> you told me that part of the story before. Which part? The part that 
It gave you hope. Well, because... I mean, now if you want to go into why I didn't tell beforehand, we can. And, And I'm a survivor of childhood abuse. My father was the first person to show me that no didn't mean no. And that I did not have control over my body. Um, when it wasn't that, he was beating the, the shit out of me. And mind you, it wasn't with his fists. It was um, disguised as a spanking. Um, short story, I learned how to spell respect because he beat me for 30 minutes with a leather belt. And if I flinched or covered my ass or rubbed my ass or moved or cried, we started over. And he was sitting there and he was swinging it like it was a baseball bat. And I got a hit for every letter. And it took 30 minutes. Because it hurt. Um, I told folks. And I didn't, I didn't think that folks would even need to be told. Like when you see something like that, I would think that that would cause them to rise up. And nobody did. And since that continued, I was kind of taught that that's how I was supposed to be treated, that that was normal. So when I went into relationships, that's kind of what I expected. Um, Why didn't you tell? My brothers were in the room with me when it happened. And all they had to do was turn around. And they would have seen They also don't know. So is that kind of not wanting to make them feel like they failed in protecting you? Probably. I can see that. Um, I mean... Well, I'll, no, I want to okay. talk more about this. Well, that's what I was going to say. You go ahead. We, I, we I, had I, talked <laughs> about it before, and you said... You're debating if you should tell them the mm-hmm. baby's mama or mm-hmm. not. And maybe your dad or other people that would actually do something mm-hmm. and would actually believe you and be mad and confront him. Mm-hmm. So why, like, what is your dilemma or why don't you want to do that? It, it was a single incident with him. And I don't want to say there's others, but at the same time, you just never know. And like the statistics goes, it's most likely someone in the family or someone close that you know. Yeah. Like, please stop believing that it's a stranger. Please, please stop that. It is, it is very, very likely it's somebody that has regular contact. Regular. And so, I saw him regularly in family events, parties, like, holidays. We were at his house, and... So you couldn't get away from him? Mm -mm. That's the worst part about it, right? For me, the worst part was seeing the interactions that they had with other people seeing how they loved and adored them, and then wishing 
that I can really be a part of that. But not feeling like I can, even even when they were treating me like that, still feeling like I wasn't really a part of it because I had this big, deep, dark secret. And because of that, it still kind of kept me from the rest of them. That's that's how I felt. That that was one of the emotional traumas that stuck with me for the longest time. It was always feeling like no matter how much I got treated normal, it was more show just to kind of make me feel like, oh, there I almost belong. So that that I I can completely empathize with with having to see to see them regularly. And I remember in my childhood my parents would always tell me, you know, don't hang out with the guys, like don't be with them by yourselves. And I'm sure subconsciously they were trying to tell me a message, but they never fully sat down and explained to me why something could happen or what thoughts would come about. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt you, but it just made me think of how statistically, like, you're likely that somebody is going to be an abuser or molester in your family, and how is this shameful thing and it's like the family usually finds out but then the person's still around Mm -hmm. and so sorry that just made me think of how that maybe they did know something but they're ashamed of it and so they didn't tell you and so i remember i'd always be with my cousins like i'd i'm a tomboy so i'd i'd love hanging out with them and he after that he was the only person i I could not be as myself by myself and i just because I knew, I'm like, I don't know. But I knew. And so... It's not that I have malicious intents, so I don't want to, like, ruin his life. But you want to protect innocent lives so that they don't end up as complicated as yours. Mm-hmm. And that's, 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 that is why people tell. And we'll get to more of that part of it a bit later. Um, babe, did you want to jump in why after the first time you didn't tell? Oh, that was a plan of talking about that. But I mean, basically it's the typical thing that you hear molesters saying is, is, don't tell anyone. This is our secret. They're not going to believe you. Yeah, and then um, the. Oh, not, and, and say that again, please. What was? They're not going to believe you. Oh, oh. The shittiest part about it was that he gave me something. So he's like, "Here's this baseball card." Like I had commoditizing like, your body and the experience. Yes, and so I would feel guilty, like I got something out of it for doing that, and that's why like I wouldn't want to tell. It. Yeah, because then, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I actually, uh, I had an ex that beat me, and then my most recent ex um, actually forced me to have adult interactions with her to do special stuff for her um, that was adult-like in order to stay in the household, and in order to continue a relationship with my stepdaughter. When I finally said no, I have not been able to see or speak to my stepdaughter since. Now, we've discussed some of the hard, ugly abuses. The stuff that you hear in the news and makes you go, ah. 
But that actually, for me, was not the worst part. That part I was able to dissociate from and not really be there. So I was able to not really deal with that too much. But the stuff that bothered me is the stuff that we're really going to be able to get into and discuss where it's not just us, but across the spectrum. Like, what were you saying earlier about the emotional stuff? The other people who have felt it? Just in general. What what were you saying about some of the emotional aspects of abuse? Because I have a bunch. I'm sure she can probably throw some down. But I I want to make sure that, that too many times men overtake conversations and in this conversation I do not want to so please I would like you guys to share as much as possible and I'll just kind of jump in and, and navigate this thing myself every once in a while coping is something that doesn't just happen overnight this happened to me I don't even know how old I was maybe seven eight And I'm now 23, and it's still something that I have to cope with. It's still thoughts that come in and out of my mind. Fortunately, I have been able to cope with it better, so it's not something that I think of every day. Okay. But recently, I definitely had a trigger. Okay, so you're you're talking about the 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 post traumatic aspect of it, and the the trauma that comes after uh, after it. No, please tell me about triggers. No, I, no, and, and he has triggers too I have all a, the time, and it. Well, I'm I have a lot all the time. But no, I do. Us, I have a lot of triggers, and they do hit uh, all the time. And, and they hit about every two weeks. <laughs> well, it's not even that; they hit every day. Well, it blows up, yeah. No, it's they just hit how you cope with them day. and how you're able to kind of roll with the wave and how often it comes in harder. Well, my wife my wife and I like to do crossword puzzles every morning. We like to believe that I'm fairly intelligent and we like to believe I'm more intelligent than she is to where that if we're sitting down for a crossword puzzle, I should get more answers than her. Wait, we like to believe that? Did Did you agree with me? I was saying we so that I didn't say I or you were put either of us on the spot. Babe, look, the sky is purple. When we get home, we're going to have a conversation. <laughs> right now, you putting us where everybody's in the home talking about the conversation. So anyway, as we were saying about the sky being purple, <laughs> um, damn it, I lost where I was. <laughs> I lost where I was. Where was I, damn it? So right now, the emotions or the door that I currently have closed, I guess are the emotions building up to it. Because you never know that something's going to happen to you. You never know. Like, the first time, you don't see it coming. You don't get a memo like, hey, at this time, at this day, this person's going to come and just start doing stuff to you. You don't really know what, but here you go. That doesn't come. So when I really, really think about it, the times I open that door, thinking of the emotions that led up to it, even now, like, make my skin crawl. Yeah, yeah. It's like the crossword puzzle. Sometimes I'll go through and I'll get hints. 
that for other people would be a regular hint where for them they'd see it and be able to just kind of go, okay, that's fine. I just think this or I think that. For me, they give me a whole different dig. I uh, went through crosswords the other day. So here's a couple of them. The hint flirts with. See, for me, that, that I see my exes with other dudes, with my friends. My father with my fiance. That's what flirts with is a hint for me. Figure out. You know what that's a hint for? It sends me back to the first time I had a flat tire on my bike and I asked my dad for help and he said, go out there. And I went out there and tried. Couldn't figure it out. Went back in and said, hey, I, I, I'm, it's not working. You'll figure it out. That's what that reminds me of. Discussion groups. You know what I think of for that? I think about all the groups I should probably be attending for people who have gone through shit like this who can probably think and understand and empathize with me instead of having to deal with folks who can't. So while these are normal things for everybody else, that's the trigger for me. And each one of those gives me a different one. The discussion groups, eh, not that bad. Figured out, eh, not that bad. Flirts with, that's some pretty heavy shit. And this is a, his response to me when I say, why am I doing so much better on the crosswords than you use that? <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it's real. And it's the same thing she just expressed where it's, it's not something that we can control, but depending on what hits and, and what emotion, what memory it, it evokes, it, it's, we can't respond how we'd like to, and we can only try to control our body so much. That's the emotional toll that we deal with now every single day. When I was in it, for me, I got insulted all the time. I got told I wasn't anything. I was told I wasn't a man. Told I, I couldn't do shit. I was told I was lucky that they were with me or that they loved me or that they were family because nobody else would. Like, I was put in a spot where I was led to believe because at that point, all my friends and folks had disappeared that, okay, maybe they're right because nobody else is around. That's the emotional toll that I dealt with personally. Well, can we go over the different types of abuse now? Because it sounds that's, like you had them all. No, that's what we're hitting. That's, that's what we're going to try to touch on. And and we already went through some of the physical. Um, and, and I want to make sure you guys are getting in this. But again, you're, you said your experience was one and a half. You said yours was one, so I, I don't know that you guys got to deal with the with some of that no, emotional. No, we, we did because we had boyfriends, so we were just talking about okay, well, abuse, then, uh, like oh, then please, abuse, please do jump in. That's... Earlier, we were talking with you about um, boyfriends, jealousy. Like when we mentioned that, you know, was your boyfriend possessive? Was your boyfriend jealous? Like, so what is your answer? I want to say it's funny every time, but this isn't something that's funny because the more that I realize it, the more that I like truly open my eyes to it, I just tried justifying so many things for a long time. And I can definitely say the abuse was mutual because I don't, I'm sure I know I've heard it, but if you've been abused, you're more likely to abuse someone uh -huh. else, uh -huh. whether it's intentional or unintentional. And I don't want to say it was my fault, but we definitely both partook in actions that was definitely not healthy. And just the level of anger, just so many different emotions that we exploded on each other. 
I don't know what if he maybe he had gone through something, but just it stems from something. Wait, are you gonna go through the? Oh no, we're hitting it. We're hitting it. No, just I like... want. So I can, if you say it, I can tell you if I have that or not. Oh, I'm I don't sorry. Know what I'm they sorry. Are. Well, because no, but it's it's this. This isn't even all of them. This is just a number of them that I I can remember and recollect clearly clearly enough from uh, incidences. Whether whether from within my own life or from experiences while within work, um, emotional, physical, um, sexual, financial. Um, there's uh, I want to put out mobility because control of the vehicle, control of where you can and can't go for friends, well, who and you can and can't be friends with, um, and it, it extends to when you don't have mobility to employment and different things of that aspect. There are others, mind you, there are others. But these are the ones that are, like I said, clear enough that I can mention and I can bring up. So um, for me, I'd just say that emotional, I would say emotional abuse and physical, uh, physical a little bit. No, like, so you, you, you had financial as well. Broke ass. Oh, okay. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> you mean when a, when a guy racks up a bunch of credit card debt mm-hmm. on your credit mm-hmm. and bails yeah yeah <laughs> i didn't think about that i want to also mention that just because marley mar a set or i specifically and individually was abused and let's say that we may have hypothetically hypothetically been the only victims. We're still not the only victims. Every single person is abused because anybody that is around that, that is allowing it to happen, whether they know or not, is a part of that system. Unfortunately, you become a part of that system even if you don't know because we're looking at you saying, please, I wish you would help and feeling that you can't. Now, again, that doesn't mean you're abusive. You're just a part of that cycle for us because we can't now connect you the way we wish we could. I want to extend it a bit different, put it this way. Specific story. Went to the school across the street with my brother, who was three years younger than I was at the time. Well, I can't say at the time, so three years younger than I am. He hit me in the back with an aluminum bat as hard as he could. Anybody else would have turned around and whooped his ass, probably hit him back with the thing. Because I knew if I did, I would have gotten in trouble. Think about that. He hit me with an aluminum bat, unprovoked, and I was afraid to hit him back because I would have gotten in trouble. So I summed up all the muster I could, walked my ass home, I told my father, and you know what his response was? You must have done something to deserve it. I got that when my brother stabbed me. You must have done something to piss him off. So that's the physical stuff I got. So then when I went to go date someone and they were punching me and blaming me black eyes and, 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 and whatnot, it seemed normal. When I was getting stabbed, it seemed normal. That's what I dealt with on the physical. Well, you you mentioned generational stuff and it continuing through the generations. Mm-hmm. So it made me think of this question is, so what happens when you're abused as a child and then you go and show those some things, similar things, same behaviors to other children, then like, this is my question. Like I did that. Am I a child molester? 
Oh, you mean when you were still young? Well, yes, and, and see, like it, when you're still young and you shouldn't, you don't know better. This is where mental health and the lack of it and the lack of conversation surrounding specifically abuse and a sexual abuse is failing because the fact is when we were in visiting for nine days we saw behaviors that children that age should not exhibit there's no reason why a four or five what four and a half and a and a three-year-old should be exhibiting sexual behaviors towards two people they just met and this goes to advice for people and how you said about um people being around and not knowing but knowing it's happening if you are part of a family and you see that going on and you're just going to ignore it and not even question it then you are part of the problem that's willful ignorance but you it's things like that where because you're abused and abused for so long or because you're abused and nobody corrects it you believe that's how life is so you act out in that manner so you see boys girls who have been touched and molested, go out and start doing it to other people, and then they get arrested and go to jail, and they're like, well, shit, I was, that happened to me. Nobody saved me, so I thought it was okay. Like, if we're not telling the people who are supposed to be leading by example that this isn't okay, and if we're standing by these people who are supposed to be leading by example and not telling them no, then we can't tell the kids that grow up to do the same behaviors no. We're teaching by allowing this abuse to happen. And then we're condemning the ones that are out there doing that we catch and saying, you shouldn't do this. And then when they say, hey, but I was trying to get help, nobody listened, or you guys saw all this stuff and you ignored it, well, we're sending them off for just to kind of be either sent to jail or dead. Because to tell you the truth, that was I did not think I was going to make it past 36. This was when I was 20. I honestly thought by 30, actually I didn't think I'd make it to 30, but I knew for a fact by 36 that I was going to be either in jail for the rest of my life, dead, or hella on the run. Those were the three options I felt I had. And the reason why is because the first time I finally really sat down and tried to tell someone, a therapist at the higher institution that I was going to, told me that I was crazy and if I ever came back he was going to call the police on me and lock me up. That is why I didn't tell throughout the multiple relationships I had that were abusive and throughout the many years holding on to the stuff that I held on to was because the first person who I told outside of everything and whose sole job was to protect me told me that I was the crazy one. And Marlon Mar, are you scared of that at all if you tell? I remember, or as a kid, I did counseling and therapy, and I had finally gone to, like, not just a school counselor, like an actual therapist, and she told me, she's like, you know, here, you can tell me anything, like, you're more than welcome, you know, we'll talk and express through everything. I was like, if I tell you something, like, what, to what degree or when do you tell people, like, someone else? And she's like, oh, you know, if you're, like, having suicidal thoughts or, you know, something of abuse is happening to you it's within my power and my 
degree certification, whatever you want to call it, I have to report it. Yep. There's three things, and that's one of them. And I remember I was just like, I don't tell her. I expressed to her certain emotions that I had felt because of it, but I still couldn't find myself to tell her of the situation, of the person, and the whole story. Do you think that she had a clue that something was going on? Yeah. And then she didn't, it doesn't sound like she did that much to do what she could to work with you so that you would feel comfortable with telling, even though you knew she would have to tell other people. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for a lot of people, for a lot, a lot, like, it really is true when people think they're the only ones or they're by themselves and no one will help me and they won't they won't believe me is what a lot of people think. They don't want to speak up. And that is one of the biggest reasons why we are sharing. We're not celebrity. We're not hero. We're not big money. We're not famous. We are you. And we want to make sure that, well... This is extremely vulnerable and exposing that you're not alone. And and please believe that we may not be able to hear your story, but we are sending our love and and blessings your way. Will you share your story from today with the flowers? Yes. Because that definitely was not a life-changing moment, but a... Sigh of relief, a big weight lifted off my shoulders. Just an enormous amount of love was sent out today. And again, it's crazy how like the world works and how my first podcast was freedom and my second one here is now abuse and just so yeah, we're earlier. Working you to the bone. Yeah. <laughs> earlier today at the store that I work at, we got a delivery of flowers, fresh roses, nice bouquets. And I had picked out two. The first one was a yellow bouquet of roses. For friendship. Yes, for friendship. I was going to give those to my best friend. She had taught me that years ago and something I still hold deep to my heart. And the second one, it was like a pink with white spots and just another beautiful bouquet. And it reminded me of my godmother. And I wanted to go visit her right in the moment. Just She always had her garden and it was always filled with flowers and just they were beautiful. And I haven't visited my family in years. Like I just completely stopped associating with a lot of them. And just when I saw the roses, I knew I had to go visit her. And I was so eager. I was like, I have to go on my lunch. Like, I'm going to buy them and go right now. It just has so much love in me. I have to put it out there. She has to receive it. And I go. And I got there. And I was overly ecstatic to just see her. And again, it's been years. And she wasn't there. The mother of the child of my molester, 
Is that how you say it? It works. <laughs> Baby mama. I have to say wife of my molester or mom. Well, she <laughs> she was there. And I was like, hey, you know, is my godmother here? I'd love to just give her these flowers. Like, just they reminded me of her so much. And she's like, no, she's not here. And, she, you know, she just went out. And, again, le just leading up to the emotions, I wanted... A few days ago, I had I still had just had so much revenge. And I wanted to go to her and say, hey, the father of your child did this to me. Years ago, when I was helpless, when I didn't have control, mm -hmm. when I didn't have a voice. Couldn't say no. In I just wanted to spill out so much hate and just ruin his life, ruin his child's life. Just see the worst happen to him. Over one incident that he did that has caused so many emotions for years and years. And she sat there with her child, his child. And here I'm standing with a bouquet of roses for love, for care. I missed her. And it was, I guess, the opportunity that I was asking for, looking for, to tell her everything. Did it happen that way or no? And I stood there and I put the flowers down and I was like, you know, tell my godmother that I came by and I love her. You know, have a good day. And I got to the car. I sat down and it realized to me what had just happened. I was confronted with her and I could have told her everything. Not spilled the beans, but told my story. You know, told what happened to me, expressed how I felt, expressed how I now feel. And it's not that I didn't. But I guess I just didn't want to portray that story of him. And is that because you are still protecting him? And because you're worried that it's you're are going to ruin the family and that you don't want to be the person to do that? Do you still blame yourself? I don't blame myself okay, because good. I am able to open up so much more. But I feel like he should be the one to hear this. Mm. Not someone else. Because I've, I've played it out in my mind so many times. I mean, you know, kind of who doesn't, you know, say, I'm going to tell this person... They did this to me, and this happened, and but they never really grow the courage to. I've pictured myself telling my dad this, and how he would react. Maybe he would react this way. Maybe he would do this. I'm like, maybe he might go kill him. I don't know. I pictured myself, you know, telling my brothers, "Hey, you know, this happened to me, and you guys just happened to be there." But they start crying. I've never really seen my brothers cry, but would they cry? Would they feel bad? Like. I hope that if you feel that you do need to say it directly to him, and, and I think that is a good way for you to find your voice back is by confronting him doing that. I hope that you also tell other family members too, though, because 
then it feels like you're still feeling guilty, personal guilt over it, and Mm -hmm. that it's not your place to tell Mm -hmm. when he was the one that did that to you, and you, you don't need to protect him. So to hear that from from that aspect and that story, for for those where it comes to friends or, or relationships and, and other aspects of control, do know that it's it's taking over friendships, it's removing friendships, um, controlling access to friendships, and, and it doesn't always look so blatant. It can be as simple as all of a sudden they start texting you all the time and the other person's not really texting you as much. I know for me, and it sounds like for you, but I don't want to speak for you, but for me, I felt like I was living as a hostage the entire time. And much of it I had to try to speak positively about the woman that was forcing me to hold her hand in public and kiss her before she was trolloping off to work and slap her ass when people around so it made it look like we were in a real relationship. To to f- try to say, well, oh, well, it's not that bad. Like, I had to try to do that. Because otherwise, I, there was no way for me to really be able to, to mentally survive in that. It was, it was horrible. In other words, you tell yourself that it's not as bad as it actually is because you wouldn't be able to handle it if if you admitted that to yourself. So you try to even, maybe sometimes people would think you, that you really did like them. Like you try to pretend and, and try to actually, because it's better to say like, I want this, you know, and instead of saying, I don't want this and this is happening still. Does that make sense? It does, and, and 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 it happened regularly, even towards the end, where and where I was trying to tell you, well, it's not so bad. And you're like, no, that's no, that's you, no. I want us to jump from all the horrible bad stuff, and I want to throw this out there real quick, though. So before we jump, jump, because I want to make sure that this is clear. I hope that if you decide to share, that your experience is different than mine. When I shared, mind you, this is after I shared with friends, and then when I, after the friends I shared it with, went and slept with her. This is after I shared with family members, and they just told me they didn't want to talk to me for a bit. Like, just, I had a myriad of different stupid responses. But here are the best ones. Fuck you, die slow. Why'd you wait to tell uh, until now? And the, the ultimate best was, my father never gave me reason to believe he would do something like that while sending a text right after that saying when we took erotic pictures older sister younger brother with him we didn't experience the same stuff you did so it's a lot of the giving excuses excusing it away making it okay like Trump, no, no, it's okay. He, he's, he's got money, or he's evangelical. He's this, he's that. Or with Weinstein, why would they even need to this and that? They, they've got so much money. Kavanaugh. Basically, y'all look at us like we're peasants, and we don't have a voice, and we don't really matter. So, 
what what can we be saying that that's even real? If you're trying to justify it in the first place, shouldn't that be a red flag on its own? Thank you. And you're talking to yourself right now, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so here's the trauma and here's the mental health effects that that from even one and a half or one situation can arise. I mean, I can go down depression, anxiety, panic attacks, you know, PTSD, flashbacks, body image issues, self-harm, suicidal ideations. I mean, there's so many different things. And we're going to give you a little bit of live picture of what it's like to deal with daily, yeah? I mean, you seem to be fairly healthy. You went over... Is that a joke? Well, let me say that from one... Okay, I can't say one personal experience because, yes, I was touched once, but I had other incidents... That followed. Yeah, that I definitely didn't want to happen, but still happened. And even just, even just watching it, you're still partaking in abuse. It's yep. not something... Yeah, let me just sit here and watch this, you know, grab some pop. No, that's not how this goes. I didn't want to see it, but I did. So for me, my biggest mental health being, and here's another intimacy that I'm going to share. Um, I had and have known that I've had dissociative identity disorder or multiple personalities for the layman. And I've known this since at least like 2015. So before all the cool kids were calling it and claiming it. And for me, I, I have a I have two distinct healthy personalities and one very dangerous monster. Aside from me. So aside from all the other stuff, that's my biggest thing. That's what I was gifted from my abuse. And I deal with it every day. Um, and me too. From men. That's what I was going to say. My <laughs> wife has to deal with it every day. My kids have to deal with it every day. And my job, I actually, I'm fairly, I look normal. I represent normal. But if, I mean, shit, listening to my story, how much weight do I carry on my back? Miss Marley Marr, did you want to share an intimacy that you... I want to know about her dissociative disorder because she hinted at it and we both got excited. <laughs> yeah, but let's not, let's, let's not delve too deeply. Let's not share too deeply on, on, on it yet. Um, again, it kind of just comes back to coping and what we have to do to live our everyday lives. And for some, maybe going into different personalities or different not lifestyles, but just realms of living helps them get through certain situations. And maybe it isn't, well, in your mind, it's someone else, but really it's just the stronger side of me is going to come out. So this person is going to show. And right now I have to be this type of way. And again, I've been a better able to control my emotions so I kind of see them as my sad side, you know, my mad side. And I'm this emotion right now, but it stems from this. And I always try to pinpoint what it, why I'm feeling this way, what it is that's making me feel this way, again, triggers. 
and what I yes, can do. Thank you for bringing those back up. What I can do to ride out this wave, get through these emotions, and get back to my stable state of mind. And just keep on going. And so here's how a trigger works. A trigger is simply something that reminds or puts a flashback. someone back into the time or place of abuse. Now... What what makes it kind of tricky is the trigger itself isn't what we're reacting to. What we're reacting to is the reminder of all the previous incidences that happened. And this is a new incidence for us. And what is giving us the new incident is new and we want to trust it because we've been given nothing but a reason to trust. But when you have 99 examples that trusting is bad, even though this new one is nice, bright, pretty, and shiny, it's scary because everything else is told you run like motherfucker. That's what triggers are. That's the easiest way for me to describe what a trigger is for somebody. And it's just a process of, I guess, starting to kick over a domino and starting to turn many of those negative experiences into at least neutral ones, if not positive ones. And until more of those dominoes start tipping over to where when we look back, we can at least pick up one, two, maybe even four, five, eight. Okay, okay. I have enough examples to where I can put faith in and feel safe. I mean, that's what that is. So now that I have you on the spot, did I trigger you today? No. Told you I wasn't mad. Mm -hmm. Okay. I I was able to quell. And mind you, because I, I have enough examples that I feel safe, that it has now become an irrational. I was able to become to to quell my irrational fear. However, until there's enough evidence for me to have faith, it's hard to label it as irrational. Because every other bit of evidence, everything that you can say or give me, says this is what's going to happen. So it's not irrational. So. No, I'm not saying you in general. I'm talking to to the folks. Don't please don't take a don't try to. I'm not saying to you. I'm I'm saying in general. If you talk to somebody, if you're dealing with somebody in the public in your life, who when you talk to says this is what happened to me. This is what happened to me. This is what happened. And they have this chain of things that has happened to me, and they're telling you about this new new example. They're not telling you because they're saying that this is what's going to happen. They're telling you my thought is for you to help give them a reason to feel. That they have evidence to believe this time is going to be different. Because when the scale is the other way, even hope is enough to lift it to where you will give that chance. I was trying to tell you every example you were giving me was the same example that my abusers were doing. And I knew you weren't doing it to hurt me. So I didn't get mad. I didn't care. But you weren't listening. So we couldn't keep talking. So I just had to say I'm done. So 
You, but you're still saying those weren't triggers for you. If I'm doing stuff your abusers are doing and it's upsetting you, how is that not a trigger? Because they are no longer fears that I hold on to or cling to because I know you are not going to hurt me because you've helped me kick over enough dominoes. That's why. That's why I didn't react. I just wanted you to stop and listen so we could communicate. Which, by the way, if y'all ain't hearing this, this is how you help fix stuff. I want to be clear. If you hear that your child was molested or abused or something, going and killing that person is not going to fix anything. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. I don't wish harm on the people that abused me. I wish them well. I hope they get healthy. And I hope that when they finally meet somebody else in their life, they're able to change and fix stuff because I would rather them go about being positive in other people's lives than creating more victims. And I don't want them dead or hurt because that doesn't help me. They can't affect me or hurt me if my people who love me help me elevate and get out of my situation. But if you go hurt them, you might go to jail. Now you've created the situation and made it worse. All I really need, all we really need, let me change that because I'm speaking not just for me. All we really need is for you to understand the pain we're going through, to tell us it wasn't our fault, to do what you can for real justice because we're really mostly only telling you because we don't want any other victims. We don't want to see other people go through the pain that we are going through. So we want you to help that. And then we want you to understand if we cry sometimes. I don't know how easy it is to simply accept the fact that so many different things can happen to me and they're just supposed to be washed under a shelf as if they don't matter. No matter how long ago they happened. You guys, be empathetic to folks. Because sometimes we wake up in hot sweats, looking around, not even knowing where we are, because we may have just had the worst night terror we've ever had in our lives, simply just imagining that we were laying next to or in a room or got a phone call from our abuser. Like something that simple is that serious. So we need empathy. We need understanding. We're not trying to stay this way. Did you self-medicate throughout your stuff at all, ever? Mm-hmm. Did you? Yes. Okay, because I, I self-medicated. The only thing I used was alcohol, but I was drinking a fifth a night easy. Um, I didn't really go much beyond that. I just wanted to drink enough where I couldn't feel anything, where I could pass out, and if deeds needed to be done, they could be done, and I wouldn't remember too much. I stayed away from other drugs because of the multiple personalities and I was afraid of what they would do. So that was my story. Weed got me healthy. Weed, baby! When we ran through a list of the quote-unquote side effects of abuse, I have through or went through a good amount of those. You know, depression, um, body shame, you know, anorexia, suicidal thoughts. I tried killing myself, you know, OD so much. As a kid, I took 12 Advils at once. Chugged it down with some Monster. That's a good combo, you know. 
I, I feel you on that. And I'm glad that you were still here. And yeah, you know, thank God that I am, which is why I'm, it helps to share my story. Because again, I'm not the only one. Us three sitting here, unfortunately, aren't the only ones who have gone through this. You know, wherever you're sitting, wherever you're hearing this, even if it's not you, someone around you, this has happened to them. For men, it's one in seven. So take your fantasy five, sixth man, plus a sub for your favorite NBA-isms. Statistically, at least one of them cats. That's for men. Women, it's probably going to be about three or four and seven. So take your WNBA team and about half of them. I would love to end this episode with finding out if Marley Moore is going to tell or not and like what your plan is moving forward and like what what was what did today do for you? Because today you could have told him you didn't. How do you feel about that? But no, you still have a chance. Like that could have just been to get you thinking about it. You know, mm -hmm. like don't be hard on yourself for actually not doing it today. With that, can you also answer what might be justice for you? I definitely manifested this opportunity for myself, I feel. I asked for this so many times and dreamt it so many times and what am I going to say and how am I going to react and who's all going to be there to listen, to hear me. And today, as I sat in my car, pondering over this, the scenario I manifested for myself and not acting on it, for whatever reason, my voice is still soft. And my voice is definitely, in a way, still not being heard. But I somehow still got a little bit of closure knowing that throughout all these years, I still have so much more love in me. Then I do hatred, then I do negativity. So I know when I do speak up and I do tell my story, not just to those that I trust, but to everybody, because everybody needs to hear it. I know I'll have so much strength that day, so much more love and hope than I already do have now. And I know it won't be with malicious intents. So what would be justice? Recently, I've gotten close with my dad, and he knows a lot about me. He knows I smoke weed. He knows when I started smoking weed, and he knows. I've been telling him about all the troublesome things I've done as a kid, you know, how those go. And I feel like justice would be him knowing. Any consequences to the cat? He would know also. And I feel like ultimately he would have to live with that. Not just living with it, but kind of that reminder that, hey, whoever you are as a person now, you were still that person then. 
you scarred me and left me stuck for a bit. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. he would be exposed to the family, and I, it must be peace of mind knowing that everyone knows. Even now, over the past few, this past two weeks, I've learned that I shouldn't have to weigh so heavy on other people's actions. Yeah. Whether they were a kid, whether they were an adult, they knew the power and control that they were having and feeling in the moment. Thank you. Um, Aset, what would be justice for you if you could go back? Or do you feel it was served? I laughed when I found out he died. Um, if I could go back to anything, I'd probably I wanted to tell my dad about it because I don't think I ever told him about the first time. Um, but I'm not speaking with my dad anymore, so I don't think that um, it's not worth it me talking to him just to tell him just that. For that. Um, I don't know. So for me. Ironically, the, the, the ex that I had that beat my ass um, apologized and, and we apologized for or discussed the, the abuse from the father. But the the ex that, that used my daughter as a token, for me, justice would be, honestly, it would just be the truth getting out. It would be the truth getting out and folks being let know that I had 10 years of my life stolen because I decided that I would rather give all of my love to that little girl than let her deal with it. Then let her deal with else. I don't, I don't need anything else. And it's funny because folks say, go to the police, do this, do that. And the thing is, went to the police. They ignored me for a bunch. And then they decided to tell me to take her to civil court. Money's not going to help. Took everything I had. Money still isn't going to help. Paying me for what was done is like telling me that I earned it. Like a baseball card? It's worse. I want to know that what she did was wrong, that y'all got her on watch so she's not going to harm me or my family anymore, and that I can go about finally, really, truly letting go and live my life. That would be justice for me. I don't need anything else. I don't want her to go to jail because y'all jail system would make her worse. Y'all jail system is fucked. So my father, I didn't get any other justice than the peace of knowing that he passed. And when I say peace, I actually just mean peace. Because I no longer have to deal with any of the animosity, anxiety, self-hatred, any of that in dealing with him. Because when he passed, I was able to put it to rest. And with this podcast, I'm putting a whole bunch of it to rest. This is about as normal a life as I can get. Pretending I'm normal. Having panic attacks, anxiety attacks all the time, shifting and this and that, whatever. But the thing is, I live in love. I reach out to folks and I try to, to make sure folks are smiling. And I try to make sure that every single piece of pain that I have, I, I deliver 
to every other person I can in life in the form of some compliment, love, or positive energy. Because I'll take that ugliness and instead of just having it eat away at my heart, hopefully I can at least make somebody else smile. Because that smile might make me smile. Beyond that, all I will tell you is this. If you're really going to try to go help folks and you really want to be a part of their life to help them get out, listen to them. Care about what they say. Let them hurt. It has been just over two years since I escaped, uh, since my father died, and I'm still reeling every day because every day I don't get to talk to my eldest child. And I don't know how many folks have ever dealt with that. But it hurts when you've raised that thing since they were rocking around, not knowing how to quite piss correctly. Having fears of, of boogie monsters in closets. Until they walking around trying to pretend to have dates almost. It hurts. So, you got to allow folks to hurt. Because if you, if you don't allow folks to hurt, then they're never going to get over it. And then give them opportunities to find ways to actually help themselves through. For me, I picked up skateboarding and I fall and crash my ass off all the time. But it's one of the biggest things that's really helped me. I skateboard all over the place. The dumbest thing ever. <laughs> but help folks find, get hobbies that's going to benefit them, get them out, and, and doing things that are beneficial. And I would tell you that, that for those of you that have been through this, try to get something outdoors. I hike my ass off too. Try to do something outdoors. And find folks to talk to. I think you mentioned a lot of good coping skills, but... I, at the same time, also think that everyone has to find their voice or they can never heal. That is 100% correct. Also, RAIN, R-A-I-N-N. They have a bunch of wonderful resources to get help. 211 a lot of times in your local area. Access crisis line. You know, if you're hurting, please, please call. They've, they've helped keep me here. So... Live in love, and that's all I got, um, live in love. Did you have anything else you wanted to conclude? Yeah, not only am I here for myself, but I'm here on behalf of like just the few friends and family that were able to open up and share. So again, I emphasize this very, very heavily. You're not alone, and just as hard as it is to open up and share just ask for help because there's definitely people that love you and care for you and want the best you're not just stuck in whatever situation you're stuck in there's always hope and light at the end of the tunnel just stay stay as strong as you can um it's important to remember that it can happen in any relationship and that a healthy relationship does not include abuse. I don't just say relationship as in boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, your husband or wife relationship, you know, friends, family, your uncle, your boss, really could be anyone doing this to you. And sometimes you're kind of blind to it. So ask for help, 
and don't be scared. Um, I just want to say that I feel that all of, all three of us healed a lot tonight. Yes, and so, and we haven't been able to really do that together before. We've been together for a couple of years, so you know, find people that are like you and tell you. talk with them and find healing together. Be blessed. Free thought.